Hey, this is Opes. And this is Cha. And you're listening to Run the Play, the podcast that sports, sports, and more sports. That's right. Basketball and football mostly, but since we're in South Africa, if something happens in cricket or rugby, we'll talk about it. Cha, what do we have up first? So this past weekend, the college football was a little wild, a little hectic, a little unexpected. Let's start first with Kansas State upsetting Oklahoma. Yeah, that was very much unexpected. <laughs> this is very much honestly. I don't think we even talked about that game last week because I we, thought we just assumed it was going to win. Yeah, Oklahoma. I thought Oklahoma was just going to roll throw their helmets on the field and Kansas State would roll over. <laughs> Here's what I forgot. So Kansas State is not a great team. I let me pull up their record right quick. They're actually surprisingly Kansas State is five and two. Here's what I forgot about Kansas State though. They're coached by Chris Kleiman. Mm-hmm. You know who that is? No, I do not. Chris Kleiman was the coach at San Diego. No, not San Diego. North Dakota State University. Oh, and Carson Wentz was there? Mm-hmm. Ah. Won, what was it, like four or five national championships in a row? The guy can coach really well. So, had I remember, I don't think, I wouldn't have picked Oklahoma to lose either way. But had I remembered that he was a coach, I would have been like, you know, it's going to be closer than the experts think. Because, I, like I said, that guy can coach his ass off. And he's the type of coach that can get good players at Kansas State and can coach them up when they get there. If he could get good players to North Dakota State University in North Dakota, <laughs> he can get players anywhere. So it should be interesting to see how he does, you know, trying to follow Bill Snyder, the guy who built Kansas State. Like, literally, they were the worst program ever before Bill Snyder. Then he, he retired the first time. They got this guy, Ron Prince, who's like a head case. Literally, the team that he coaches now is in a mutiny against him. Then Bill wow. Snyder had to come back. Bill Snyder was successful again. Then he retired because he's like 85. <laughs> and then they hired Chris Kleiman, which I think was one of the best offseason hires people haven't talked about. And you see it, the proof is in the pudding. It was very surprising, but honestly, knowing who coaches Kansas State, it shouldn't have been as surprising as it was. Uh, to me, it was still surprising. That's That's... That's uh, unacceptable if you're Oklahoma. To be to, for your defense to allow 48 points, to give 48 points to Kansas State. Y'all didn't give up that many points to Texas. You know? Well, we'll talk about how good Texas is or is not. But, yeah, right now it's just Kansas. I'm, I don't think Kansas State is, is, should be 48 points good. No, it should have been like if they, it should have been like like a thirty-five twenty-eight type win for Kansas State. If you were if you would have guessed that they would have won, that's what you would have thought would have happened. Not forty-eight forty-one. But she said at one point it was like wasn't it like forty-eight to twenty-three at one point or something like that? It was forty-one twenty-three. Forty-one twenty-three. Yeah, Oklahoma came back to just lose more respectably. Matter of fact, they came very they came about three inches from recovering an onside kick, and then going down and tying the game up, and then winning it over. Yeah, which I mean, they deserve to lose that game. They did. You that, get, you that, get forty-eight that, points. That you deserve to defense, lose. That atrocious defense and an inability to establish the run. So next up, next game up, Ohio State smacked Wisconsin. Man, 
They did. 38 to 7. Mm. 38. The thing that's funny to me, so Ohio State, as they always do, this is something you've pointed out on this podcast more than once. They get out to slow starts, almost seemingly like on purpose. It's like they're trying to gauge what you do as a defense, lull you into a false sense of security. And then normally in the second quarter, they just attack. Yep. Just unstoppable. They start going super fast on offense. Defense, Chase Young just starts wreaking havoc, looking like a young uh, Reggie White. Yep. Just nothing you can do. This time, Wisconsin delayed the bleeding until the third quarter. <laughs> at the at the end of at the end of one, it was zero zero. Both teams continuing their streaks of not allowing a single first quarter point this year, which is remarkable. Because think about how easy it is to give up like a big play, which like results in a field goal or a touchdown. Neither team has done that, so kudos to them and their defenses. By the end of the second half, Ohio State seemed to have gotten it rolling. It was ten nothing going into the half. And Wisconsin opened up the second half with a touchdown on what has to be the best the best pass I've seen thrown this year by the Wisconsin quarterback. And you would have thought, wow, Wisconsin's back in the game. It's 10-7. And then Ohio State scored 28 points unanswered. And that was that on that. See, Ohio State is the best team in the nation. That's what the best team in the nation does. Uh, they just top to bottom, they're a juggernaut. They have an amazing quarterback who can – Pass the ball at an extremely high level. He honestly should be the first quarterback taken in the 2021 draft. And he also is extremely athletic on top of that. It's a, he's an incredible quarterback. On top of that, he has great weapons around him on offense. They have a great old line that can wear you down. On the defensive side of the ball, they have possibly the best uh, defensive prospect in the nation right now. Best overall prospect. Like overall prospect, even. Chase Young. Uh, yeah, he is amazing. <laughs> Seriously. He's a beast. Unblockable. Yeah, you, yeah, it don't matter. You, you, you can double team and triple team. It don't matter, man. He's still around the edge. Before you, yeah. As soon as the ball snapped, like there was a play, Wisconsin had driven down. They just made a big play on third down. They'd gotten inside the Ohio State 25, and they snapped the ball on first and 10. And you would have thought that he was attached to the ball because as soon as the ball snapped, he was up and passed the right tackle. Matter of fact, the right tackle couldn't even get out of his stance. He was like falling, flailing, just like – helplessly trying to prevent Chase Young into the quarterback. He sacks the quarterback, strips the ball, and then Ohio State defender picks it up and returns about 30 more yards. And he did something I thought was really interesting. Normally, when you see somebody pick up a fumble or get an interception, all of a sudden all the defenders turn into like offensive linemen trying to create like a convoy so the guy can get to the end zone. He very clearly did not want to play on get right back on the field on defense. So he saw somebody he could have blocked, and he got out of the way so that guy could tackle the person with the ball. And I, I, honest, I, I swear to God, that's why he did it. So he's like, I'm not trying to get back out here on defense. He let the offense do something so I can rest. <laughs> <laughs> you wild for that, Chase. But I get it. I get it, but you still wild for that? I mean, they was already up at least 31. Nah, l- nah l- l- let your man get a, t- a defensive touchdown. I mean, he wasn't going to score even if he had made that block. So... Let your man get a defensive touchdown, Chase. You wild for that. I think I think if Chase had been the difference between him scoring and not scoring, he probably would have blocked him. But there was like five Wisconsin players in front of him already. That he wasn't gonna score. So Chase sounded like the like Cristiano Ronaldo. He only celebrates when he makes a play. You know what I'm saying? But then anybody else does anything, he's just unimpressed. I see it. I see it. 
All right, Penn State smacks Michigan State. Though Michigan State has some chances to do some things. It's just uninspired football. That's like what it every is. week. Yeah, honest, but that's the thing though. That's the difference between when you're playing like you that you think you can win and playing like you that you think you're gonna lose. That's the difference. That's honestly the difference between Michigan State and University of Houston right now. Oh yeah, it's, it's, because I think both teams, in terms of like skill level right now, they're both kind of equal in terms of like how good the, the teams actually are. But Houston goes into every game thinking that they can win. That's a very inspired team. Like the defense believes that they can stop anybody. Michigan State, like the, Michigan State's defense, actually can stop anybody, but they don't believe that they can actually win games. Well, I think I think that Michigan State's defense has is they know that unless they are literally perfect, don't give them any points, they're gonna lose because the offense can't score. The offense scored seventeen total points in the month of October. Yeah, they scored ten against Ohio State, which honestly is the best game they've played all year. If they played the way they play against Ohio State every week, they'd be seven and one right now. But they haven't, and they're not. They scored zero against Wisconsin, and they just scored seven against Penn State. Yeah. As you know, I'm a regular on the Michigan State Rivals board. And the way they looked on Saturday against Penn State had even some of like, the most diehard fans like, yo, this nigga's done. This nigga being Mark D'Antonio, the head coach for the past yeah. 13 years. Um, he's, I mean, look, he's taken them the heights that I didn't think were possible in the modern era for Michigan State. He had them between, what was it, 2010, 2015. They only won less than 11 games once. That was a, like a like a flukish six-win season, which they followed with a 13-win season, 13-1. They went six and, what was it? They went six and seven, I believe, and they followed that up. No, they went, excuse me. They went seven and five in the regular season, followed that up with the best season that Mark D'Antonio ever had. Even I would say better than than the playoff year because that team went 13-1. and one. If he doesn't make the still really odd decision to take out Connor Cook on the last drive against Notre Dame, they might have been undefeated and gone and played Florida State or Auburn in the national championship game. And the way Michigan State was playing at the end of that season, I think they could have beaten either team. So that was a chance Michigan State could have won national championship. And then they were, they were great in 2014, they were great in 2015. And since that game, that playoff game against Alabama, that yours truly was at, where they got smacked 38-0 by Alabama, they've been on the decline. Like, they had that 2017 season where they went 10-3. and That was smoke and mirrors, man. That was a mirage. All the close wins they had that year have been blowout losses ever since. So... And he's old. You saw he's not willing to fire coaches like he should have. Even if he did fire the offensive coaching staff, he admitted this past offseason that he really didn't know anybody to replace these offensive coaches with. And that's really bad. It's like, bro, you're a head coach. You should be always meeting new coaches, whether it's at, you know, sponsored Nike events. Michigan State's a Nike school. When you go to these coaching conventions, like the, like the AFCA is where a lot of coaches get hired and fired on the low. Because you go in there, let's say I'm, let's say I'm Dabo Sweeney at Clemson. I know my offensive coordinator just took a job with the with the New York Jets as their offensive coordinator. That's not public yet, but I know that he's going to leave to take that job. When I go to the coaches' convention after the bowl games are over, I'm thinking, let me talk to everybody that's even a decent offensive mind and see who I can pick up. Mark Antonio seems like he just goes there and eats like free food and he goes home. Don't meet nobody. 
And now look at where they're at. So I don't know what's gonna happen, man, but it's not it's not looking good. He's gonna need to resign and retire from um coaching. I was I would resign, retire for a year, then be a defensive coordinator in the NFL. He's old, man. He's not gonna do that. Well then retire. That's what he should do. Resign and retire. Cause um Cause that's that's the most respectful thing, especially given his uh his tenure at Michigan State, given what he's done at Michigan State. I think um I think the administration will probably encourage him to resign, or force him to resign, really, and uh, he'll resign and retire, and then Michigan State can start the true rebuild, bringing a new coaching new coaching staff, and you know, but yeah, I mean, right now right now like the, the players don't believe in those coaches. Soon the players don't believe in the coaches. It's over. The 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 what's it called? It, the that regime is over. You gotta move on. So one thing I did not see coming: Michigan smacked Notre Dame. They sure did. My goodness. They, they I did not see. Look, because I didn't. I didn't. I'm not sure. I might have said Notre Dame was gonna smack Michigan. I have no idea. Michigan's not a good football team. All right. Well, they weren't. They've looked pretty good the last few weeks. Then they struggle against Illinois. Well, yeah, we talk about that. They 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 did put them away though. They they, they so they jumped out twenty eight nothing, let Illinois creep back in, mm-hmm. and then slammed the door shut. Okay, that's not that's not a good team to me. They they won the game. They did what they're supposed to do. Okay, Notre Dame is not a good team either. Both these teams are not good teams. I watched I watched both I watched Michigan play. I not watched Notre Dame play. I watched Michigan play. Michigan does not. We, Michigan does not have a running back that is or a running back group that is three hundred rushing yards. Good. I have not. I don't know. Maybe they have improved. I don't know. But from what I, when I was watching Michigan, they did not have like great running backs like that. That that should be putting up three hundred yards of rushing on you. Which tells me I don't know what Notre Dame's rush defense was doing that game. I don't think they showed up. Well, it was a rain. So Notre Dame, from what I can tell, their offense doesn't work when it rains. Okay. And it rained like yeah. hell. In the entire Midwest yesterday. <laughs> so teams that could run the ball were successful. Mm-hmm. So Penn State ran the ball a little bit, but mainly they have K.J. Hamler and yet another NFL tight end. So they won, so they won their game. Michigan was able to run the ball to the tune of 300 yards. Yeah. So they dominated their game. That's it. Ohio State ran the ball to the tune of 300 yards. They dominated their game. Mm-hmm. So if you can run the ball, especially as the weather, and now it's not always, normally what you worry about is it's just going to be cold as shit. <laughs> In the Midwest, but right, but it rained like crazy. So if you can run the ball, which is a necessity in the Big Ten to be successful consistently, you'll probably win. And all those teams that I mentioned, well, Penn State didn't really run the ball, but all those teams I mentioned ran the ball, and that's all they won. Uh, let me see. So who is? Let me see. I'm looking at the Michigan schedule. They're going to be. You know what? Most they'll, likely, they'll, they'll, they'll be a three-loss team this year. So, yeah. I, I, so, I, so I can't even say they're bad because they'll be a three-loss team. Though, I mean, yeah. Because, I mean, it's all about the wins and losses at the end of the game, end of the day, right? The only As team they're going to lose to the rest of their year is Ohio, Ohio State. State. Yeah. Because, I mean, because cause I, cause I can point to how they, they probably should have lost the Army, but they didn't lose the Army. You know what I'm saying? I can point to... That I that, they look bad against Iowa though. <laughs> That's my whole thing. They take. probably they should have lost to Iowa. They didn't lose. To Iowa. Yeah, but they they won though. So so it's whatever, right? You know what I'm saying, but but no, nah, Notre Dame. I don't think Notre Dame is a very good football team at all either. Because like I, like I said, while Michigan played very well, they're not they not a three hundred yard three hundred rushing yard team. Like that's they not they don't have, I don't like that's that to me points more to. 
what Notre Dame couldn't do. Like, like I feel like, okay, Michigan put up like 150, 200 yards rushing on like a good day. But 300 yards rushing, that means Notre Dame's rush defense just did not show up that day. Fair. And then, I say the best for last, man. Actually, I, I guess we, we could do this last. Maybe we could talk about some more games with this, actually. But I want to talk about Texas TCU. Because you said that you saw that coming. You, you, you were like... You were saying you were saying that one of these games, Tom Herman was going with Tom Herman. I thought it was going to be Kansas, right? It almost was Kansas. It should have been Kansas. It almost was Kansas, and then, the, and then I think the team they played after that they blew out, and then he Tom Herman became Tom Herman again. So what that means, Tom Herman became Tom Herman. So Tom Herman, when he was the coach of University of Houston, we were always up for the big games. Remember, we won all of the big games that we played in with Tom Herman as our head coach. But he was so arrogant, he figured that, and he, it's still the case, obviously. He figured that he could skip out some time on preparing for what he deemed lesser opponents and spend all that time preparing for the bigger time opponents. So we would beat, so for example, we beat Louisville, Louisville his first year. We, be, we beat everybody we played. We beat Navy. Navy was good that year. We beat them. And then we lost to UConn. And it's like it's like yeah, our starter was hurt, but just run the ball, and we yeah. like, didn't I mean, prepare for I mean, for we that. had Kyle Postman, who was a capable, definitely a capable backup, in that year too. Still lost. Then, you know then, I mean? then the next year, we beat the dog shit out of Oklahoma at NRG. You and I were there at that game. That was awesome. We beat the dog shit out of Louisville at the Cage, aka. TDECU Stadium. TDECU Stadium. We wanted to call it Touchdown Stadium. I wish that would have caught on. Yeah. But we then we had a year where we didn't really score too many touchdowns, so it wouldn't have worked anyway. <laughs> <laughs> nah, let me tell you something. We have, we go back to averaging 40-plus a game. I'm bringing that back. Touchdown Stadium. Hashtag soon. But then that year, we also <laughs> lost to SMU. Yes. We got like we got smacked by... Lost to Memphis, L- didn't we? Memphis, yeah. Last game of the season. We couldn't stop them on defense at all. I think at that point, he already accepted the Texas job. He did, and then, but then he lied. Well, so he did behind closed doors. He lied to the players saying that he wasn't going nowhere. And the very next morning after the Memphis game, he announced that he was the coach of UT. And so... Matter of fact, we were in Austin when he did that. That was gross. Yeah. It was like... Um, I know like Ed Oliver had a tweet about that that he quickly deleted. I know there was pl- of several players who can confirm like all those stories, you know. So... Yeah, yeah, so we so we told y'all, Texas fans, we told y'all who he was. We told y'all what he was about, but y'all were too busy clowning us Houston fans because we thought he was going to stay because damn us for taking a man at his word. Being optimistic. Yeah, d- d- damn damn us for that, you know. But, but we told y'all what to expect. We said, look, guys, he's a, he's a good coach, but... He tends to overlook the, the bad teams, and y'all like ah yeah whatever yeah go 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 back to poverty, so sorry you know, and um now look look at y'all 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 want to give him back, and we say no keep him. Already at three losses, he threw away the receipt. They still have to play Kansas State, who we've seen is pretty good. Y'all have to play Baylor. Y'all gonna lose that. Hey. Which, which sorry for disrespecting y'all Baylor. I really I you know. It's a week. It's a weekie in the Big Twelve. Y'all a good team. Y'all, y'all not great, but y'all a good team. Even if Texas wins out, they still have to play Oklahoma again in the Big Twelve championship game. That's four losses. Yeah. Even if they won out. 
They're not going out though. No. No, it's gonna be Oklahoma Baylor in, in the championship. Or it might be. Well, they would need some help, but it might be Oklahoma Kansas State. Oklahoma's gonna win that rematch. Yeah. <laughs> But it's it's all up in the air. Baylor's the only undefeated team left in the Big Twelve right now. This is the best. No, SMU is the best team in Texas. SMU or Baylor's the best team in Texas. I'm not sure. I would say Baylor. Probably Baylor because they probably have better athletes. SMU should have lost twice this year. Should have lost to UH. Should have lost to what was it? Tulane or Tulsa? Baylor had a couple close games too, though. Yeah, but that was but, against. But, but to me, that was against Power Five teams. But to me, SMU had just has a quarterback, a really yeah. good, really good, a future backup. NFL backup quarterback at that, who that's the quarterback that should be at Texas right now, Shane Bu- uh, Shane Bouchel, instead of Sam Ellinger. He's actually a quarterback. Y'all have a tight end that can kind of throw a little bit. Who who for whatever reason they decided not to run him, even though that's what he's best at doing. Well, that that's the whole thing about pitch counts that Urban Meyer talked about. When you play against a bad team, you don't run your quarterback as much, or you give him like a certain amount of times to get hit, then you. Like, basically say, no, you can't run anymore. So they figure, I guess they had him on a pitch count. Him and uh, Rashawn Johnson on a pitch count. Well, that only works if you're blowing out the other team. You don't need them to run. But his whole thing is this passing game only works when people are worried about him running. He's not that good of a passer. And you saw that he had four picks yesterday. He's not that good of a passer that he can just stand back there without you worrying about him throwing, about, I mean, excuse me, about him running and then pick defenses apart. So you, you have to run him. I think they're going to lose to Iowa State and Baylor. Because those are, those are both away games. Iowa State, maybe. Those are both away games, man. That's that's difficult. Here's why I say maybe. They're definitely going to have Tom Herman's full attention. And when he's got when he's got his full attention on the game, Texas probably wins. But, I mean, you just, I, you just never know, man. It's like he like wins a game. And he's like, I have to worry about playing. Baylor at the end of the season in Oklahoma again. So, so you just I just don't know what's going through his head. Even though they're five and three, I'm sure the next time they win two games in a row, he's gonna be back on his arrogant shit. So you, I, we we just don't know what's going through this guy's head. Like look at let's look at the the numbers for both quarterbacks yesterday. So Ellinger threw the ball forty eight times. It's too many times. Forty eight. Why is Sam Ellinger throwing the ball forty eight times? Too many times. And then he only ran the ball nine times. I'm not saying he needed to have 20 carries. But, like, Max Dugan, the quarterback for TCU, had 13 carries. He needed to at least have 13 carries. So he's getting you five yards a carry. So you have a couple carries. At least let him know, like, hey, you can run it if you have to. Meanwhile, Max Dugan, 19 of 27, 273 yards. So he was much better yesterday. I, I just don't know what they're doing over there. Like, and then Texas, all these receivers, all these big, fast receivers – that they can't seem to, like, I understand why they're not just, even though Sam Ellinger is not a great passer, he's shown the ability to throw a pretty good deep ball. Just throw more of those. Are they getting open? Yeah. Like, Devin DuVernay had eight catches for 173 yards. Colin Johnson, seven for 101. Wait, hold up. They had 200-yard receivers yesterday? Yeah. And they, how come they want to score more points? That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Four <laughs> picks. <laughs> Four picks, they do it. Three, three when the game was still in doubt. The last one was like a fourth and ten situation. That oh okay, like well, that, that, that's that, that's just a little wild. Then these boys is out here actually making plays, and y'all still just losing. Really, it's because Ellinger threw those three picks. I think if he doesn't turn the ball over three times, they probably still win. You can't give the other team extra possessions. 
My thing is this. If Texas loses again and they have a four-loss season, then I would say the eyes of the fans, y'all should count the Kansas game as a loss as well. Because... Because it'd be one thing if they if they won if they had won out, including this TCU game, and it was a two loss team, just only to LSU and Oklahoma. You can write off Kansas as a fluke, but when you lose to TCU, and I believe you're gonna lose to Baylor, uh, then this then you're talking about eight and four with a, with uh giving up what was it a fifty to forty eight game against Kansas? Was that the final score? Yeah, that that just looks that just looks whack, and it's, that that looks terrible. And yeah, so you got yeah, you gotta start looking. And then you, yeah, but they're not firing Tom Herman. That that's the guy y'all wanted. Y'all y'all roll y'all ran Charlie Strong out of town to get Tom Herman. And you kind of got Tom Herman off of some shady stuff. Y'all were kind of doing backdoor deals and everything. Admittedly, Charlie had to go. I mean, yeah, because he he did lose to Kansas. I mean, he yeah, Charlie. I mean, Charlie had to go. I'm just saying. The way y'all treated Charlie from the while beginning, he was there, yeah. basically, it's it's the equivalent to how Rich Roberts treated at Michigan. It's similar, although just, although I would say that Charlie's uh, problems were more self inflicted than Rich Rod's were. Charlie didn't have to run off half the team his first <laughs> spring there. That was a mistake. <laughs> he didn't have to change the offense every year. Like, bro, you're at Texas, you can recruit whoever you want. <laughs> So whatever system you have, just be like, look, we got to get our guys in here. And just run that. doesn't matter what system you run. You can get getting the players to make any system work in Texas. Truly, truly. But yeah, man, he, he didn't have the support of the boosters from day one. And this dude does. This oh, big time. This dude does. So they're going to they gonna keep trying him out there, <laughs> you know. At least at least next season. He'll get next season for sure. But like, if, he, if they're not looking like a playoff team next year, He's he's in trouble. Hell, he's in trouble now. They've already had three losses, and they're looking at at least one more because they got to play, like you said, they got to play Iowa State and Baylor back-to-back on the road. Yeah. In consecutive weeks. Then you get, like, a bye in between. Those consecutive weeks. Both Saturday games. Uh Uh-huh. Which, that's another reason why I want UH to join the the Pac-14, 12, whatever. Because I'm tired of these Thursday games, man. Tired these Thursday games. I don't like mind Friday, one a season. Like Friday and Saturday games. Let's keep it at that. Because Pac-12 plays at least like one Friday game a year. Like each team does. But we actually playing like mad Thursday games. I'm I would, tired of I that. would love UH to be part of that Pac-12 at night business. Yes. Where freaky stuff happens in the game. <laughs> like imagine UH versus USC, right? Like top five ranked USC. And UH like top 15 or something. Like we were like, we're like nine and two. People are like, oh, USC, they want to probably go to the playoff. And then, like, the game is, like, like 11 p.m. Central, like, uh, Eastern time. And, like, you wake up, UH won 45 to 16. Because <laughs> they, like, they, they, like, they had, like, five picks to return for touchdowns or some shit. <laughs> it's like, how? How how did that happen? Pac-12 after dark. I want UH to be part of that, part of the magic. That's, that's what we all deserve. It's what we all want. Let's make it happen. But, yeah. So, speaking of the Pac-12, because... The Pac-12 is actually playing some games at a decent hour, some big games at decent hours. Uh, well, the Oregon beat Washington State. That was a thriller. Yeah. That was a thriller. Oregon. So Washington State had gone down and scored a touchdown to take the lead. They was up, they was up one. And then Oregon came down very calmly, <laughs> very smoothly, in, in complete control. 
It honestly reminded me when Chip Kelly was there. They would be up, you know, by a little bit all game, kind of messing around, turn over here, turn over there, not quite putting another team away. Other teams would go down, scores a touchdown, about a minute left. They're feeling good. And then without using any timeouts or even, like, really rushing all that much, they would just roll down the field, score a touchdown, kick a field goal, and that would be it. And that's basically what they did. They rolled down. They got down to the Washington State eight-yard line. And then calmly they ran one more play to get the ball in the middle of the field, call timeout with a second left, drilled a 26-yarder. Act like that was all out. she wrote. Act like nothing. That was like, yep, yeah, that's what we do. That's what we do. I st- Once again, I say this every week. I don't know how they lost to Auburn. <laughs> <laughs> Auburn is so bad. But you know what? Those pack those pack schools, they they for one, they take a while to get going. I don't know what it is. If it's just a time zone difference and like the if they have to play away, if it's like, you know, they have to play in the south, the humidity be getting to them or whatever. But it takes a minute for them to get going. But once they get going, they're pretty good. Oregon's you good, know? man. Mm-hmm. Oregon's good. I said Oregon is very good. Washington State is not. I'll tell you what, if you let them hang in the game, they can they can embarrass you. Mm-hmm. Oregon did for way too long. But mm-hmm. like I said, when it comes time to slam the door shut on somebody, you got to do it. And yeah. Oregon did it. Sports Illustrated reporter Stephanie Epstein reported after the Astros won game six against the New York Yankees and the ALCS that now former... Assistant GM Ben Taubman of the Houston Astros had yelled out at, a, excuse me, Brandon Ta- Taubman had turned to a group of female reporters, including one wearing a purple domestic violence awareness bracelet, and repeatedly yelled, and I quote, "Thank God we got Osuna. Osuna, I'm so fucking glad we got Osuna." Now you might be thinking, "Oops, cha." He's just excited that Osuna was part of the game that they just won to go to the World Series. Here's the thing. Osuna had just blown a save in that game. He didn't pitch great. It's not like he won the game. He had just blown a save. Yeah, I was wondering about that. I thought I remember him not playing very well. <laughs> so he blew a save. And he did He did manage to uh, recompose himself and get out of the inning so that, Al- so that Altuve could hit the game, the series-winning home run. But yeah, that's not it's not like he just done something great to even be mentioned in that moment. And then here's the part. Remember I mentioned that one of the women was wearing a purple domestic violence awareness bracelet? The reason the Astros were even able to get Osuna and be able to afford him, because Osuna is one of the best closures in the game. And he proved that this past season. He had been suspended seventy five games for allegedly beating his girlfriend, his then girlfriend. So Taubman knew that. Those three uh, female reporters at the game knew that. And Brandon Taubman absolutely knew that. So for him to yell that, antagonizing those women, highly inappropriate. And Stephanie Abstein from Sports Illustrated reported that, as she should have done. That's her job, is to report the things that happen in these clubhouses. What did the Astros do? Not only did they deny her report, they implied that she made it up. Even though there were multiple, not besides female reporters, there were multiple people, that's, multiple witnesses that said, no, that's exactly what Brandon did. He did exactly what is alleged in this article. So then they had to, so they said the story was misleading and completely irresponsible without having, investigating, having investigated the incident. 
They did an investigation, found out that Stephanie Epstein was telling the truth, and then issued what I felt was a half-hearted apology. So the owner of the team, Jim Crane, that's the name, right? Jim Crane? Yes, sir. Jim Crane issued an apology directly to Ms. Epstein where he said, we were, we were wrong, and I'm sorry that we initially questioned your professionalism. We retract that statement, and I assure you that the Houston Astros will learn from this experience. Brandon Tallman was also fired this past week from the Astros, as he should have been. That was ridiculous to make that type of comment in that situation. I bet you were sooner pissed off, too. He's like, man, why are you making it hot, man? Yeah, they, they, like, they, they, I, they just like, forgot all about, all about that, John. Nobody was even talking about me, bro. Plus, like, he, <laughs> plus, like, he served his time. Why are you, like, there's no reason to bring that. It was weird, in my opinion, kind of, that the Astros signed him in the first place. Mm-hmm. Like I said, he, he did his time. He apparently went to counseling or something like that. He's been doing stuff to, you know, try to make amends. for the, you, you can't forgive the incident. That was a terrible thing that he did. Mm-hmm. But apparently he's been doing some of the, the work to get back in people's good graces. And like like you said, he's he's been keeping a low profile. Nobody's been talking about him outside of his baseball. And then the assistant GM does this dumb shit. Like, what, what, the, like, what the fuck are you doing? And then to like go to these three female reporters, one of whom is very visibly wearing a bracelet talking about domestic violence awareness. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Repeat that. Three female what? Reporters. Reporters. So, so, Reporters. So people, I'm in, I'm in so a people, hotel room. I can't, I can't, I can't get as excited as so I want people to. people who are going to talk about this. Get you dumb mother... Stupid ass. He deserves he does <laughs> to get fired just he for said, that alone. He, he deserves to get fired because he's stupid. Yeah. He's stupid. Why was he the assistant GM? Why was he the assistant GM? I mean, I mean, yeah. Why, you know what? Nepotism is, is a mother. All right? Here's, here's, <laughs> another, here's another thing. So you heard me say that Jim Crane in his letter said that they retract the statement. So Stephanie Epstein went to the GM of the Astros, I believe his name is John Luno, and asked him if they would retract their statement, saying that she made up the story. And he refused to commit to doing that. So basically, from the time she reported what Brandon Taubman had said, the Astros called her a liar, refused to retract the comment, Basically dug themselves deeper at every turn. And so the owner finally stepped in and did what they should have. First of all, what they should have done when they found out this article was out there. Should have done what the police do. Say, we're going to investigate. take this matter very seriously. We're going to investigate. That way, let's say she did make it up. Then you say, we've investigated. We found that you know, the incident happened differently. Don't say that she made it up. Say that it happened differently from how it was reported. We regret blah, 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 blah. Right? Or you find out, like what happened, he did make these comments directly towards these female reporters, as was stated in the reporting. And you do what they did. Fire him and apologize to the women that were involved in the incident. But by calling the reporter a liar and then doubling down and not committing to retracting when she talks to the GM. And then somebody asked the GM if he had apologized to her, and he said, oh, I haven't had a chance to talk to her about it. And she was sitting in the room. This is at a press conference. She's sitting in the room. So if you want to talk about it, you could if she's right there. So what is, what is up with the... Like, why does the owner have to deal with any of this? That's my exactly. whole thing. The owner it, should, the, everybody like, else is messing up. Like All they had to do is be like, we're going to investigate. I guarantee the owner was living. I, 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 can, I can picture... Because I've seen all those movies with the, with the rich white dude... Is having to yell at like, other white dudes. <laughs> like, like sitting at dinner. Because they're embarrassing him. Yeah. Like, I, I can see it. He's like, he's like, I'll fix it. 
And he did. The way he the, the letter he issued out is what they should have done at the very beginning. It'd be like, we're going to investigate. Because if they just said, we take these claims very seriously, we're going to investigate, you don't even have to apologize to anybody. Just like, you don't, you didn't have to make the report of the story at all. It's like, like, why, like, man, he must, like, he must be pissed. Like, because the thing, the thing is about this is like, if the Astros were not in the World Series, the Astros were trash, the GM would have gotten fired too. Because as soon as the owner has to step in and start doing stuff, the owner is firing people. Like he's like, why am like I should be chilling on the beach right now? Why am I having to come in and do y'all's job for you? You know what I'm saying? Like, so lucky. honestly, the GM saw his job. He's he's too good at being a GM. Exactly. He's obviously terrible at the PR part of it, but he is amazing at getting the right baseball players on this team. So, hell, he he survives to GM another day. So now we have an NFL check in. And it looks like San Francisco is smacking the uh, the Kyle Allen-led Panthers. Uh, what do you make of that? So Kyle Allen, former UH quarterback, who I feel, I mean, obviously he's an NFL quarterback. UH wasted his talent doing whatever the hell it was that Major Alboy tried to do with Kyle Allen the year that he was there. Or the two years he was there, really, because he had to sit out a year after transferring. He needed to be with Mike Leach in Washington State where he could just have like a fully spread out offense, just throw the ball all over the yard is what he needed to be in. UA should not grant him that for whatever reason. So he struggled and he wisely left. He's caught on with the NFL team. And until today, he looked pretty good. Uh, he's not as good as he looked, obviously. He actually didn't look that great. He looked like, you know, a guy out there playing quarterback with a pretty talented team offensively at least. They've run into something of a buzzsaw. Like, Jimmy Garoppolo has not been great this year. The 49ers' defense is really good. And the way that the, the younger Shanahan, Kyle Shanahan, runs that offense, runs the team as a head coach, he puts them in such great positions to be successful on offense. They're undefeated, right? Yeah, they're 8-0. So, excuse me, 6-0. About to be 7-0. Just running rough shot over the league right now. So, they've only given up 64 points. This whole year? Yeah, they basically they're giving up eleven points a game. That's how many points the Panthers have right now. Yeah. After the, <laughs> after the, the Panthers just scored a touchdown. So yeah, San Francisco, great team, not great quarterback play. It's basically what Kyle Allen's been doing for the Panthers. So shout out to him though. He's gonna make some money off this season, even though he's been mediocre. That's all it takes sometimes. Mm-hmm. We got the Texans. They really need to fire Bill O'Brien. They're down to the Raiders, fourteen to ten. Just I, I don't. I'm, I'm sick of Bill O'Brien. I'm tired of it. I've had enough. All right, he's trashed. Get him out of there. The Rams, quietly turning things around. Huh. They're five and three right now after looking like they're about to be under five hundred. <laughs> so shout out to them for, you know, looking like they're up. about to go back to Sunday. <laughs> no, they're not gonna. They're not gonna be that type of team again <laughs> not with the head coach they have but hey i thought it looked for a second like uh they were going back to the six and ten <laughs> eight and eight seven and nine days but no they seem to have got to turn around so we'll continue to monitor monitor that situation seahawks beat the of course everybody beats the falcons but yeah my man russell wilson let me look at his stats right quick i know he was balling 14 of 20 
882 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. He also rushed four times. Very efficient performance. That's what he does. He's so good, man. They scored 24 points in the first half, and they just sort of put it on ice the second half. But he kicked a field goal to keep it at a touchdown. That's what, that's what you do. Just keep him at bay. Keep the other team at bay. That's what Herm Edwards be doing in college right now. He's like, keep him at arm's length. We don't need to do too much. We might need some of these plays later on. Then the, and then the only team that's been more dominant than the 49ers this year, Patriots. They've only, they've only given up 48 points in seven games. They're giving up seven points a game. They've given up one touchdown. One passing touchdown this year. What's the Browns' record? Two and four. That division's already lost. Baltimore basically wrapped that up. They're five and two. They're rolling. How many, how many times has, uh, has Odell Beckham been targeted this season? Not enough, I would say. Because that's who, that's who the Patriots are playing right now is the Browns. That's why I bring up the Browns. Or that's who they play. No, they're playing them, right? right yeah, now. right It's halftime. Okay. Yeah, that's who they're playing right now. And the Browns are supposed to be great this year. They're supposed to have, uh, supposed to have their, their second-year quarterback in, what's his face? Baker, Baker Mayfield. Mayfield, Heisman winner out of Oklahoma. Supposed to have Odell Beckham Jr. and his boy. What's the other receiver's name? Jarvis Landry. Yeah, Jarvis Landry. He's supposed to be a one-two punch. Looking like a... Uh, Look, look, looking like I don't know, like 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 track crap. I guess I don't know. I, I can't even think of a good pun. So, yeah, what, what do the Browns got to do to turn this thing around? Well, today they just need to not turn the ball over. Because I'll tell you what, even though the Patriots have been dominating people, Tom Brady is very quietly having a mediocre season. Like yeah, I heard, they, the, I heard the Patriots' defense is just cold. They're disgusting. Like I said, they're giving up seven points a game. That's why they're winning, not because Tom Brady's like. Special. They've only scored nine more points than the, than the Ravens have this year so far. It's the defense. The defense is the difference. So the Ravens have scored 214 points, giving up 156, which is pretty good. New England has only scored 223 points, but they've only given up 48. That's the difference. Tom Brady, I mean, honestly, you know how like a telltale sign that a quarterback is about to be done is they'll come out in the preseason and be like, oh, this is, I've, I haven't felt this good in 10 years. I feel like I'm 25 again. And he's about to be trash. Talking about, oh, I feel like I'm so young. Well, Tom Brady didn't just do that. He, he even said, oh, I have a whole new way of working out that, that you know, just to just say I can heal my body faster. And da, da, da. That he, he went like, he, he doubled went down on that. On that yeah. <laughs> That's how you knew he was going to be trash. I just, like, without, without fail. Anytime you hear like a player talk about, oh, I feel rejuvenated. I feel like I'm about to have a great night. Nah. He monetized out. that whole thing. <laughs> T12, baby. TV12. <laughs> TV12, baby. We out here. <laughs> we shouldn't do that too much. He might find us. But yeah, NFL check in. This has been another episode of Run the Play. This is Obes talking, if you didn't know. We're in South Africa right now. Cape South Town. Africa. South Africa. In uh, Cape Town. Which place is pretty lit. It's not quite as lit as Joburg. Although it's partially the weather. I hate when it's like disgusting uh, weather. Cape, everybody who lives in South Africa has said Cape Town is the best city in South Africa. It's just raining right now. And I hate, I hate rain. <laughs> Everything feels so dirty when it rains to me. I hate it. I hate it. But it's supposed to be nice on Tuesday, so I'll be, I'll, I'll judge it on Tuesday. I'll give, I'll give a, I'll give a, a non-assessment after that. Anyway, 
This is the first ever episode of any 10 o'clock show to be recorded in Africa, on the African supercontinent. I don't think I did any episodes from Mexico. No, I didn't. So yeah, this is the first international podcast episode we've ever done. First episode ever done on the African supercontinent. So uh, we're international now. You know, we're making moves. Anyway, follow us on ten on the Twitter at 10 o'clock, T-I-N-C-L-O-C-K. All kinds of good stuff there. You notice I haven't really tweeted that much about us being in South Africa. I'm having too much of a good time. Although I am flexing on Instagram. Follow me on there. I am Obes. I-A-M-O-B-E-S. It's lit. Cha, where can the people find you at? They can find me on Instagram and Twitter. The Twitter. At Cha is Nuclear. That's C-H-A-I-S-N-U-C-L-E-A-R. Just follow me, man. Uh, I'll be tweeting. I'll be IGing. Catch me on NuclearKite.com. Check out my music. I'm pretty cool with it. Pretty nice with it. Pretty fluid with it. And um, yeah, that's it, man. Register now. Register. Follow him on Twitter. Twitter. It's really weird I can do a better South African accent than Nigerian. I need to work on that. Anyway, <laughs> for Cha, this is Obes. You've listened to Run the Play. We'll see you next time. Still from South Africa. Goodbye.